So if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We need to be peacemakers, amen? And that's really what the Lord has for us. And today's message is titled, Is Peace Possible? Lord, we just pray you open up our hearts and minds. Help us, Lord, to digest your word, to take it in, to produce fruit from that and growth in our lives and help us to grow others. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Life groups are so important. I encourage you to be a part of that. I was thinking about Adam and Eve and and I thought, what did Adam say was his favorite holiday? What's his favorite holiday? It's Christmas Eve. Anyway, okay, just thought I'd buy him. <laughs> just things pop into my brain. And, uh, and you go on that. And then I thought about what kind of car would Jesus drive? Of course, he would drive a Chrysler. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Amen? The Lord wants you to be a peacemaker. Not a peacekeeper, a peacemaker. That's important that we understand that. Daniel was looking for real estate, and what did he tell his real estate agent? He said, I'll take a house with no den. <laughs> Just flowing through me today. I used to say... Whatever my children did that was really good, that was because they were like their father. But whenever they acted up and got loud, well, they're a lot like their mother. And, and I used to joke about that, but we were a great team together to raise them up, to keep them grounded and rooted in Christ. But we wanted to make sure that our home was a place of peace. Can somebody say Amen that they didn't fear coming into the house, they didn't fear going home. Um, they wanted to be there because there was the presence of the Holy Spirit there, and that was really important. And I encourage you parents with your children, when you have supper together, whether it's at a restaurant or whatever, make sure you ask them what good thing happened to you today and have them share that, and then ask them what struggle did you face today or how did you fail without any fear of you reprimanding them or doing anything to them? But that way you're going to get discussion and you're going to help teach them to give glory to God, but also that failure is not fatal. Amen? And you can do that with your grandchildren too and help them to understand that. It's important for us to be able to stand strong in God's Word. So point number one today is this, misconceptions about peacemaking misconceptions about peacemaking. To be like Christ means that we are to live in and embrace peace. We are to live in and embrace peace. That doesn't mean that there's always going to be peace in our lives, amen? That there's not going to be turmoil or situations that get us going. Some people are so focused on politics, they never have peace, amen? Uh, I, I was with a a group of guys, and we were talking a little bit about this, and, and one of the guys said, well, I don't even watch TV, so I don't even know some of that stuff's going on, but I'm just focused on the Lord and doing what God's called me to do, and I thought, that is so good. That is so good that you don't allow those out, that outside noise to influence you to get 
yourself all worked up to where you lose your peace over stuff. It doesn't mean you can't pray. It doesn't mean you can't be concerned about those things. But God's in charge, amen? amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's in charge. And what I've learned in life is we have to find common ground and remain civil. Can I say that again? Even with somebody that doesn't agree with us, let's have common ground, let's remain civil, and still be able to display the fruit of the Spirit without condemning them, threatening them, pushing them away, and let them understand that you love them in spite of your differences. If we were more like that in the body of Christ, we wouldn't have as much division in, in even our country, even within our families and our homes. Peacemakers are different than peacekeepers. Peacekeepers compromise usually integrity or God's values to keep peace. But that's not real peace. That's a fake peace. So don't be a, peace, a peacekeeper and compromise. Keep your integrity, keep God's values in what you say. You can agree to disagree. Amen? In our marriage, we'll have conflict. We'll disagree. But we're not going to get so intense about it that it's going to push us so far away from each other we don't even want to see each other. We can agree to disagree. And we have to understand that. That happens in families all the time. We want real peace. And we want truth in our peace. So if you look at your outline, it's not pretending it doesn't exist. Some of the misconceptions about peace. It's not pretending that it doesn't exist. Are you part of the problem? These are questions to ask yourself. Am I part of the problem? Because there's not peace in our home or peace at work. Am I part of the problem? Are you part of the solution? Is there something I can do to change this? Very important. If you're not part of the problem and you're not part of the solution, then give it to God and let him handle that. Do not pick up somebody else's offense. You've heard me say this time and time again. God gives grace for those people to forgive one another that are involved, but don't you come in as a third party in the family or a third party at work or a third party at church and pick up somebody's offense because God did not give you grace to be a part of that. And there's a lot of peace in knowing that. That's between you two. You guys handle it. You work it out. I can advise you, but I'm not going to take offense for one or the other so important that we are able to do that. Peacemaking is not avoiding conflict. You might want to write that down. Peacemaking is not avoiding conflict. It's not pretending that it doesn't exist. It's not shutting down or running from it. Peacemaking is not appeasement. Trying to appease someone, letting them control or have their selfish way. That's not peacemaking. So that's peacekeeping. And we don't want that. Jesus spoke truth. How many know, though, wherever Jesus went, there was some type of turmoil? He was controversial. But he spoke truth and he did it in love. He stood his ground on many issues. There are times we have to stand our ground but do it with the fruit of the Spirit coming out. The louder you get, the worse it can be. Amen? Does anybody here struggle with loudness? 
when you're in conversations. Yeah, see, that just tends to shut people down. Back them up. Soft answers. It's amazing. It's amazing. As a matter of fact, if they're yelling at you and you just say something like, I, I just really want to have peace. What did you say? I just really want to have peace. What? You know, they're, all of a sudden you're changing. Why are you whispering? Because I want to get your attention. I want you to understand what's going on here. I'm not saying to be a peacemaker, you're a doormat. Amen? What I loved about my mom growing up is she always stood for the body of Christ and righteousness. And when my dad wasn't saved, even though he would throw all these things out, she would not compromise the word. And she would not compromise her walk with Jesus. And in the long run, it won my dad over. He didn't like it, but she was full of love, and she said, I'm not going to do that. That's not what Jesus wants me to do. So we need to be able to understand that. Are you a peacemaker or a peacekeeper? Point number two, why be a peacemaker? Why be a peacemaker? Because unresolved conflict blocks my fellowship with God. Unresolved conflict will block your fellowship with God. You need to understand that. 1 John 4, 20 and 21 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now, some of you may have somebody here this morning that you really don't like, and you struggle with them. Can I tell you something? You shouldn't be talking about them. You shouldn't be forceful with your encounter. You need to pray for them. But you need to learn to love them. Amen? There are some hard people to love in this world. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, that's not you. Just tell him that. That's not you. But there are some hard people to love. A peacemaker will confront in love. He will confront in love. One of my good friends, Pastor Jeff Hartwig, um, I had a pastor call and said, hey, we're going to be gone. I need a fill-in for this Sunday. So I sent Pastor Jeff and Jackie to go fill-in at their church. Um, but Jeff's always telling me one of the things that he admires about me is that I don't let things dangle and I don't let division just dangle, that I'm willing to step in and confront it in love and nip it right at the beginning. Some people just want to avoid and run. Can I tell you, many times you have to be careful doing that. You have to have wisdom in your confronting, but sometimes leaving it out there can cause more problems even with others. Even with your children, learn to confront in love. So important that you do that. 1 John 1, 3 and 4 says, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be made complete. We're to fellowship with one another. It's good to have people around you that don't see the same way that you see things. Amen? Now, you may not like that, but it can help you think and stretch you. 
There's many times I'll ask friends opinions about things, and they'll have a different perspective, but God uses that perspective to stretch me. I'll ask my wife about things, and she usually has a different perspective. But it's a good perspective. And she'll say, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And if she, if she hears about me having a confrontation, she's always like, how did you say it? Tell me how loud you were when you said it. Tell me, because if you're intimidating them or... And it was always good with our children because she, was, she would help me to mellow out. And I'm one of these guys that give me a little bit of time to think on it, and I do better in handling it. Anybody else like that? Don't, don't do it right in the moment because you got to. So I thank the Lord for my wife and how she would do that. But as we see in those scriptures, unresolved conflict prevents answered prayer. Unresolved conflict hinders my happiness, my joy. It hinders my happiness because it eats on you, and it's, it's a heaviness that's there. God doesn't want that. I think about Job. In chapter 18, verse 4, it says, You who tear yourself in your anger, shall the earth be forsaken for you, or a rock be removed out of its place? Be careful. How you handle things. Very careful. Sometimes we let resentment occupy our attitude. We let resentment occupy our attitude. We have to be very careful with that. It can just grab us and we can focus on it. Some of you get pick up on a fence and you hang on to it all day, all night, the next day. As a married couple, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Amen. Talk about it. If you can't resolve it, say, hey, we'll come back to it later, but continue to work on it. We have those that just want to avoid all problems, and that's not good because it'll build up in the other person. So be careful with that. Very careful. Look at number three. How do you be a peacemaker? First of all, plan a peace conference. Pick a place that you're going to meet. I mean, even with your children, your teenage children, your young adult children, we're going to talk about this, not right now because I'm upset, but we're going to talk about this here at this point, at this time. Plan a peace conference. I love it when we do a thing called Prepare and Rich for Married Couples. It's the number one tool in the United States as far as premarital counseling and marriage counseling. And they say, there's 10 steps. First of all, pick a place. And when you come to the place, set a time. And if one gets up and leaves the peace conference, they forfeit their rights in the situation. In other words, you're not going to leave until you resolve some things. Now, I'm just going to ask for honesty. Are there people here this morning, you have a temper problem? Can I see your hand? I won't look. Just hold it up before the Lord. <laughs> Shaloi, did you hold both hands up? No, no, I'm just kidding. You don't. You don't. Uh, but you have a temper problem, and you know it. You need to start praying about that. 1 Corinthians 10.13 is your verse. Look it up. 1 Corinthians 10.13. Memorize it. 
and start using that every time your temper rises up. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That's your verse. You're going to use that to overcome that. Matthew 5, 24. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. What's Jesus telling us? When there's a problem and you're bringing something to the altar in God's house, before he can receive it, before he can, go make things right with others. And that's not easy, amen? Because there are people that will not receive anything. Pray for them. Love them. But you don't have to hang with them all the time unless you're married to them. And then you're there. But prayer works, amen? Peacemakers take the first step to make peace. They plan a peace conference. The other thing there is emphasize, empathize, I'm sorry, empathize with their feelings. One of the things we learned years ago was a class called Apples of Gold, Listening for Heaven's Sake. And they taught us in that class, when you're in a conversation with somebody, listen to what they're saying, and then when they're done, restate what they said with adjectives. So it sounds like you're feeling frustrated with me. Amen. It sounds like, son, you're angry with me. Yes. It sounds like you're feeling depressed today. I am. Restate what they told you, because you're letting them know that you're hearing what they're saying. Too many people are speaking over each other and not listening. I've encountered that this past week. Just people speaking over each other and not. We've got to learn to listen, amen? We live in a fast-paced world and nobody wants to take the time. But man, that class changed our marriage. It changed how we dealt with our children and how we dealt with other people. Learning to empathize with those around us. The next thing is this, attack the problem, not the person. Attack the problem, not the person. I remember I was with a businessman, and he had a business, and he was having an encounter with another businessman on a job site, and one of the employees came up to me when I was with him, and he said, watch this. And the businessman, it was his job site, but this other businessman was kind of in charge of a different area. But all of a sudden, this businessman to my friend was poking him in the chest and just screaming at him. Now, this friend of mine could snap him in two. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And I watched my friend remain so calm, not get angry on the outside, and just keep to the point, explain the situation. And by the time they were done speaking, they were shaking hands and moving on, and the other person had calmed down. And I thought, what a great example on how to handle something like that. Because I'm one of these guys growing up, if you touch me, and you keep touching me, I'm just being honest, that's not a good thing. And, and so what a great lesson God showed me through my friend. 
to be able to just to turn the other cheek, remain calm, and, and just not attack the person but the problem. The next thing is cooperate as much as possible. Cooperate as much as possible. Remember to engage your mind before you engage your mouth. Engage your mind before you engage your mouth. Be sincere, not sarcastic. That's important that we do that. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, that verse in chapter 4 of Ephesians is a great verse about vulgarity and using slang, coarse, ungodly talk. As a believer, we should not allow cussing to be coming out of our mouth. Amen? I remember I was with a new staff member when I was on staff at a big church, and this staff member came from the state of Minnesota. And there in Minnesota, slang words are easily thrown out. And there were four of us in the car, and we got stopped by a train, and he was driving, and he said, that blankety-blank train. (laughs) And all of us got real quiet. And I looked at him, and I said, make sure you don't say that around folks in the congregation, and make sure you don't say that around our senior pastor, because he will level you. He goes, hey, this, I'm from Minnesota. Back in Minnesota, this is what we do. I said, this isn't Minnesota. This is Indiana. And I said, we don't talk like that here. I said, I'm just giving you a heads up and stuff. I wasn't being mean about it. Later on, I laughed about it because I thought it would be funny to see him do that in front of the pastor. (laughs) We've got to learn, like Gary Smalley says, what's their love language in our family? The five love languages. It's so important that you understand because most of the time we project onto people our love language instead of trying to find out what their love language is. It's like Pastor Adam. His love language is touch. If you give Pastor Adam a big hug, Sherry, now listen to me. You want your way with Adam? Don't buy him stuff. Although he likes that. Don't, but just hug him. Just hug him. If I come and I give him a big hug, Adam's like, oh. <laughs> so before I'm going to correct him, I've got to start giving him more hugs. Amen? <laughs> but you learn their love language so that you can do it with your children. You need to get that book and just a quick little test to learn that. Shaloi's love language, one of them is acts of service. And when I do things for her, like the other morning, I knew it was cold. I knew that, you know, when you get your vehicle out in this cold weather, the air pressure will go down uh, on tires. So I'm out there, and I, I filled all of her tires up because they were getting low and did all that. And then I went ahead and did mine, and I come in. She's like, I said, have you checked your air pressure in your car? She's like, No. I hate that when it happens. I said, well, I did it for you. <gasps> oh, I love you so much. And she jerked me into the bedroom. And it was all, no, I'm just kidding. 
because she loves me so much. Now, we're married people. Hello. We're not a bunch of old fogies here. Hello. We love each other. Look at these teenagers with the man. Hey, I like that dude, you know. But that's important. That's important, amen? If you're, if you're offended, you need to have some marital counseling because that's an important part of marriage. Number four, or, or emphasize reconciliation, not resolution. That's the other thing. We want to reconcile. We may not agree on everything, but we can reconcile. I, I don't mind debating people. And I can realize that we may not come to a resolution, but we can reconcile and agree to disagree. Amen? And if we did more of that in the body of Christ, it would be amazing how better our homes would be, how better our workplace will be. Some of you are just like that guy that walks into that gal, just be quiet, I'm in charge here. That's not going to work. And if you're trying to hire a Gen Z, that's not going to work. Because they have no problem not even showing up for work. They are relational. And we created them. So learn to reconcile even if you don't have a resolution. Find out what's going on in their life. They really want, it, they want you to take interest in them. It's so important. Romans 12, 18. We are to get along without compromising our values. If possible, so as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Amen? You will be known by your love. Not all will be a friend. And not everybody's going to like you. Some of you have this need to be liked. It's not going to happen. Let me say that again. Some of you have this need to be liked. It's not going to happen. Two billion people in the world hate you and you've never met them. They hate you because you're an American. Hello there, handsome son. James 3.17. By the way, two of the most difficult words to say with number four is peace in the home. Two of the most difficult words to say are, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. James 3.17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. How many know we reap what we sow? And some of us, it took us a long time to get through our temper. And we've said and done things to people that we had to go back and make right. And I regret some of those things in my life where I screwed up. And I let my circumstances or altered mine get me into something I shouldn't have been in. Ego, pride. To reconcile means to establish a relationship it doesn't mean that we resolve everything. So I'm going to close with this part. I made it short because if I use the word submit to wives, they don't like that word. So today we're using the word respect. Ladies, it's amazing. Men understand respect because they live in a men's world 
and they understand their bosses and people that they have to respect. It's easy for a guy to respect. Ladies, some of you, you've never really thought about that respect, but the Bible says you're to respect your husband. Respect your husband. Don't question everything he does. Don't be constantly being like a dripping faucet that Proverbs talks about that you're always in. I, I will laugh about this because in my car, the junior Holy Spirit rides with me. I can be driving. Oh, oh, there's a police officer. Really? How's you doing, man? It's great to see you. Thank you, junior Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, the, the foot on the brake over there is going. The handle's being grabbed. Oh, 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 oh. Thank you, Holy Spirit, junior. I've got that driver with me, and I thought, I need to ride with her more and do what she does to me. I said, no, I'm not going to do that, because I love her, and she just, she wants to help me. She's a helpmate, but if you sat there and criticized every move they made driving, there's been times I've reminded her I've had less accidents and less tickets. And she goes, that's okay, I'm trying to prevent more accidents and more tickets. But we can talk about that, and then we can laugh about it. Jared goes, I've had more warnings than she has. <laughs> Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the home, the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Then men... Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church because we need peace in the home. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's Ephesians 5.25. But I love Colossians 3.19, men. Now, ladies, you need to get this scripture posted all over your house. This is your scripture. And have it and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of the Creator. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Can I get an amen, ladies? Don't be harsh. God's giving you that jewel, and you hear me say this all the time. When you get to heaven, man, he's going to say, where's that jewel I gave to you? Oh, and show me Shaloi. Did you polish her? Did you take care of her? Did you protect her? Did you provide for her? Did you keep her out of those situations? We're going to be held accountable for that. And here's one of the biggest battles, I think, in marriage. We need to seek to be understood, not agreed with. Can I say that again? In a marriage, seek to be understood to keep peace in the home. Even with your children, seek to understand, not to agree with. Do not force a solution by cornering or intimidating. As in conflict as a believer, stop trying to punish or hurt the other person. Stop trying to push a spouse or a child away from you. You are allowed regrets, but you're not allowed to give up. You're allowed regrets in marriage, but you're not allowed to give up. Stand with me this morning. Why? Because God doesn't give up on us. Amen? 
Men, we are to love, protect, provide, and serve as Christ did. Just with your heads bowed this morning. Is peace possible? Absolutely. But you have to work on it. You have to work together. You have to work with the Holy Spirit. Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let me read that again. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. With your heads bowed this morning, you're struggling with peace. You're battling this. It's hard for you. Nobody looking around. Just an area. I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to. Maybe you're watching at home and, man, I need God's peace. I need to go through here. I need to look at this. I need to understand about the misconceptions. I need to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. I need to understand what God's Word tells me to do. Plan a peace conference. Emphasize their feelings. Don't attack the person, but attack the problem. Cooperate as much as possible. Empathize. Reconciliation. Empathize that. Not resolution. But in the home, I want to be a a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. But you struggle in an area of peace. Nobody, would you just lift your hand and say, just keep me in prayer. I struggle. Hold it up just for a moment. A lot of hands going up. Yeah. Yeah. I have my hand up because I know there's an area that the Lord was showing me even in this message. Oh, and I want you to do better in this area. I said, okay, God. Anybody else just hold it up and put it back down? Yeah. So, Lord, I thank you because I know it's a cold, snowy morning. But I believe a lot of these people know you. But their heart is to be a peacemaker. So give us wisdom from your word today. Help us to pray to be full of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit coming through us. Help us not to be intimidating. Help us not to always point out the faults of others, but to love them, to discuss these things. And Lord, at times, let it just bring joy and laughter as we think how silly we are at times with one another. So I just pray, give them peace in that area and discernment and bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Be seated.